Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WNBA news analysis and coverage. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. I'm your host, Mitchell Hansen, and I'm really excited to be joined by Kevin Pelton, who covers both the NBA and the WNBA for ESPN and is co-host of the fabulous Pelton cast. Kevin, welcome. Thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we uh, before we dive into things, um, I, I kind of want to just open things up and, and let people know where where they can follow you, where they can find your work. I know you know it's it's not hard to fi- uh, find you on on social media and and all the great work that you do. So if you want to maybe just plug in kind of the different areas that they can find you. Well, I suppose it's a little, it's a little confusing on social media that <laughs> I have uh, a a women's basketball account and a men's basketball account. So K Pelton WBB is where my WNBA and when I dip my toe into women's college basketball, usually during the uh, NCAA tournament, that that can be found. But then the work itself, yeah, ESPN.com, WNBA homepage should have pretty much all of it. Well, great. That I I know um, I speak for a lot of people that that I really enjoy. You know, both I'm I'm an NBA and a WNBA fan, but you know specifically the the WNBA side. I appreciate your coverage as as well as the NBA side. It's it's a lot of great stuff, and um, you know yourself and, and the rest of the team at ESPN do do a great job in, in spotlighting and covering the league. So both leagues. So thank you for for all you do and and all the work that you do to to cover this game. Well, it's really fun. It's a passion for me. Uh, you know, this is depending on whether you count the bubble seasons, it's obvious I wasn't going to games then, but this is 22 seasons for me in wow. the WNBA. And this will be my first that does not involve Sue Bird in any form or fashion <laughs> since my first WNBA game I covered was her first game. It's going to be weird seeing, well, obviously not seeing Sue Bird, but, but even, you know, not seeing eventually Diana Taurasi, you know, not seeing maybe even, you know, let's say somewhere a few years down the road, not seeing Candace Parker or, you know, those kind of players. It's, it's weird to see that. And and we see that in every sport and every, you know, NBA just went through that, you know, a while ago with, with the late Kobe uh, Bryant, you know, obviously like Tim Duncan and, you know, a lot of those guys. So it's, it's weird seeing the new wave come in, but then you get those new stars that, that kind of take over the league. But it, yeah, like you said, it, it will be weird. It's kind of like the, the Lynx fans seeing, you know, that, that's st- the dynasty starting five of, you know, Lindsay Whalen, Simone Augustus, Maya Moore, Sylvia Fowles, Rebecca Brunson, all of them kind of, departing it's it's weird but it's it's exciting at the same time yeah it's an end of a chapter i think and yeah you know in minnesota's case having maya's official announcement of her retirement on top of sylvia fowl's last game you know kind of did the same thing as in seattle we're dealing with with mm-hmm. sue bird's retirement and then brianna stewart's departure right yeah yeah it's it's exciting it, it's fun to to kind of i don't know, change things up a little bit and see new faces come in new talent come in and and there's plenty of that. There's, as we see in the college game right now, there will be more. But it it it's cool to to kind of see the the changing of hands over time. But well, let, let's let's dive right into um you know some questions or kind of some some conversation. Um, when it comes to the the upcoming year, what you know what? Well, I guess kind of backtracking a little bit. What are your thoughts on you know the busy off season that that we we did have and and, and kind of everything that took place over over the course of the off season, especially with, you know, a team that, that you mentioned Seattle, um, who, who are, you kind of cover a little bit closer than, um, you know, or you have covered closer than a lot of people, but what, what do you think of overall the, on the league and, and even, you know, maybe even Seattle, of course. Well, I've, I've done some research. I've done some analysis. I, I think Las Vegas in New York might be the favorites in the league this year. Uh, I mean, 
I think it was the culmination of what we've seen in this new collective bargaining agreement and the way that it's opened up free agency. And that's something that, you know, Sue has talked about a lot from her perspective of being in the league from, you know, before free agency actually existed when she was drafted to a point where suddenly it has become such a large part of the league and it's giving players a chance to kind of choose where they want to play, what kind of team they want to be a part of. And I think that's a really awesome thing for the league long-term in the short term. It it does seem to have created this kind of structure where we have two teams that are perceived. And I think probably rightly so to be apart from the rest of the league. Now that does create some interesting opportunities for everyone else to play for, you know, those other spots in the, in the semifinals and, and things like that, where I think that's going to be a relatively open race this season. But, uh, you know, the other aspect of it is, of course, as good as the the Liberty and Aces rosters look on paper, they do have to do it on the court. And that's a little bit different challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's it, it'll be interesting. It, it's weird that it's I mean, in every sport has this, even the WNBA or especially the WNBA. But it seems like we've always in years past had those those top you know few teams. But this year, maybe more so than than maybe the last couple of years, it seems like we're very top heavy. And then everybody maybe like four through or you can maybe say like four or five through ten is just like nobody knows what's going to happen because those teams seem so even. Um, but but yeah, I, I think the, the obvious clear, uh, you know, favorites right now would obviously be Las Vegas and New York. But it's it's kind of a crazy time. The. The off seasons the last few years have been very interesting, the WNBA, which I think is great for the game and it brings attention to the game. But um, yeah, it, this off season more so than ever is it's kind of crazy to see the the kind of the shift of the landscape of the WNBA. Yeah. And as you alluded to, it's not like we've not seen top heavy WNBA, you know, seasons before the Minnesota LA finals, that period of time, you know, it seemed like those two teams had elevated above everyone else. You go back to the early days of the league, Houston's dynasty into LA's dynasty and kind of the overlap there where those two teams were way ahead of everyone else. So what, what makes this different is the fact that it is something that has really been driven by free agency, even though, you know, the aces arguably their two best players, Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plummer, both players they drafted and developed there still the, you know, the Chelsea gray was the piece that put them over the top. I think last season to win the championship in addition to the arrival of Becky Hammond and in New York, it's a roster where it's going to be really heavily built by newcomers, joining you know sabrina unesco and and but nigel laney and, and the other pieces that they had there in place mm-hmm. yeah what when it comes to to kind of the the that kind of leads into my next question with with the layout of the league what do you think would be the the kind of overall layout is it is it basically like we just kind of talked about you know the top two three teams and then it's kind of everybody else what do you think so I, to me i think there's a second tier And that second tier is Connecticut and Washington. I think most people put Washington in that group because of, you know, the the fact that they were fifth last year were a win away from having home court advantage in that series against the storm and and potentially advancing to the semifinals and, you know, the development of Shakira Austin, a healthy off season for Elena Deladon, uh, the addition of Brittany Sykes, all of that. I think people are excited about them to me. Connecticut is there as well. And this is, you know, even with the departure of John Quell Jones, this is a team that we've seen play a season without John Quell before. They struggled early on in that wobble season, but eventually put it together and reached the semifinals and gave Vegas a pretty good run in that series that went the distance. 
uh, in the semifinals. They were one win away from the WNBA finals without John Quill Jones ever stepping foot on the court. And it was the, you know, not the exact same group, obviously, Breon January and Jasmine Thomas in the backcourt are not part of this mix anymore. But, you know, the Alyssa Thomas, Brianna Jones front court, Dewana Bonner, I think still has the chance to be as good as any outside of New York and, and Las Vegas. And, you know, I think they'll get good enough guard play. Natisha Heidemann started at point guard last year as they made the finals with Thomas's injury early in the season. You know, you put all of that together. I, I think that's a team that can be in the mix for, you know, home court advantage and strongly in the mix for home court advantage in the first round and and a playoff series win along with Washington and then Vegas and, and New York. Then then after that, I think is where it, it probably gets wide open. I I ran yesterday the uh, the first incarnation of my WNBA projections for this season, and you've got let me see here. Five teams separated by two and a half wins on average out of the 40 we're going to play this season. So that group, I think, could go pretty much any direction. And and it's similar to, you know, what uh, uh, my colleague M.A. Vopel's power rankings looked like on ESPN.com in terms of that group is Dallas, Atlanta, Minnesota, Phoenix, L.A. A lot of teams with a lot of question marks, a lot of new pieces, a lot of different looks. And, you know, someone from that group is probably going to break out and threaten that top four. But who it is, it's going to be tough to say before the season. Mm-hmm. Do you think when when it comes to kind of the, the you mentioned the different tiers, uh, do you think, you know, that that top tier, the the championship you know tier would be, you know, the, those top two teams of Las Vegas, New York. And then you said that, you know, second tier would would kind of be Washington, Connecticut. What you know, do you think beyond that, you know, the the kind of the middle of the pack and then the bottom four teams? What, what do you think that 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 might look like? I guess we could maybe even just say, like, you know, who do you think might be at the bottom again this year? Yeah, I mean, so similar again to the power rank, it's the team that come out at the bottom of the projections. Indiana, unsurprisingly, you know, even with the addition of Leah Boston, I think they're going to be a lot more competitive and they're on the right track, but still a ways to go when you look at, you know, kind of the gap between them and the rest of the league in the past. Then Seattle, which is going to be interesting to watch with a, you know, there there is some continuity, obviously, with Jewel Lloyd as a star. And I think, you know, there's a case that they could play somewhat similarly to they did in 2019 without Subert and Brianna Stewart when they made the playoffs, beat Minnesota in that one game first round uh, before getting blown out by L.A. in the second round. The difference is, you know, even... Even with those pieces in place, uh, Jordan Canada at point guard gave them a defensive presence that right now that's a bit that position is a much bigger question mark with Yvonne Turner, who you know hasn't played a lot in the WNBA in recent seasons, looking like the favorite to start there. Jade Melbourne in the mix is a 20-year-old rookie. And then Ivana Dojkic, who we haven't seen yet. She just showed up in training camp a few days ago. We'll see whether she makes the roster. But you know, that's that position is probably not going to be as solid for them as it was in 2019. I mean, Chicago, I'm somewhat hesitant to write off because of the fact that you know they do have a considerable amount of talent they do have james wade who has done a terrific job since getting to chicago but uh projection wise they are more kind of in this bottom tier than in that middle tier mm-hmm. a side note on james wade one of my favorite favorite coaches he's one of the just the nicest people in the world i i, I kind of got introduced to him for I don't know one of the first times when he was uh, with the Lynx when he was an assistant with the Lynx before he he did end up leaving and it just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet so that's that's just kind of a side note but he's he's great he's done like you said he's done a really I think a really solid job in in Chicago and um, 
I think he'll be there for a little while. So hopefully, hopefully that is the case. But um, when it when it comes to I, and obviously I, by by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be you know on the cusp of of the start of the year. The year hasn't started. Um, but what if you could make one bold prediction for for the year ahead? Um, you know whether it's individual wise, team wise, whatever it may be. What what would you what would you say that that prediction would be? I suppose I'm going to stay close to home. And I think that Ezi Megbagor is going to be the the breakout yes. player of this season, most improved player. I think she's got an excellent chance of leading the league in blocks, depending on how much Brittany Griner plays in Phoenix. And, you know, it, it's kind of unfortunate that the Tina Charles edition and moving her into the starting lineup last season, as he lost some of the momentum she had in the first half when she was starting alongside Brianna Stewart in the front court and was, I think, at that point leading the league in blocks. But you know, she's had a great season. It was her first time playing in Europe. She she played in, in Hungary this offseason. And, uh, you know, I think that that confidence is going to help her as a score. And look, the Storm are going to need it. After Jewel Lloyd, there's a lot of question marks in terms of who's going to create offense. So I think there's the opportunity for her to have, you know, not probably the exact same season that Natasha Howard had in 2019 playing that similar role because Howard was all WNBA first team defensive player of the year. That's a, that's a pretty high bar, but you know, I think something in line with that in terms of a first all-star appearance, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I'm very high on her, her this year too. I I think she's just going to not only have, you know, kind of an an expanded role with, with the shift of, you know, personnel on the roster, but I, I just really like her game. I, I agree that I, I think she's going to, She's going to have a really solid year this year. And I, and I hope that is the case because I, you know, Seattle needs to kind of, you know, shift focus on, you know, what, who they're going to build around, what the the future of the franchise is going to look like. So I think that that's, that's an important thing. Um, I, I'm going to pitch in on my, in my bold prediction. I think that Washington is either going to, is going to upset one of those top two teams, New York or Las Vegas. I Washington to me is, I don't want to say they're a dark horse because they're right there. Like they're, everybody knows they're, they're talented, but I don't think people, they don't put them in the, well, and I don't, I guess I wouldn't do this either, but they don't put them in the, in that same tier as a, a New York and Las Vegas. Um, but I think in the, in the playoffs, depending on if we have a healthy Elena Deladon, I I do think that, you know, Washington could put up a, a good series with, with one of those two teams, maybe bring it to, you know, five games and, and pull off a quote unquote upset. But I, to me, that that's kind of my my prediction is that that Washington is going to be there right in, at the end, and I think that they're they're going to put together a solid season. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a team that I believe led the league in defensive rating last year, and then added Brittany Sykes, who's mm-hmm. arguably the league's best perimeter defender. So, you know, with the development of Shakira Austin, I I think the you know their their ceiling is really high at that end of the court, and if you've got a healthy Elena Deladon, you're going to have a pretty solid offense, even if you would like a little bit more shooting around her on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, let, let's, let's talk a, a little Lynx basketball since, since we, uh, we do a decent amount on this podcast. What, what do you think of, um, you know, the team that's currently constructed right now and, and kind of what, what has taken place and what maybe didn't take place this off season with a lot of people had high hopes and maybe high expectations for, for the Lynx. I know they, you know, obviously they courted or they, they had conversations with, with Brianna Stewart, um, Courtney Vandersloot, Azura Stevens, they, they, they tried, but they, they, <laughs> They swung big and and they they struck out. But what what do you think of what's taking place in in kind of the the team that's constructed right now? 
Yeah, to me, that was a sign of respect for the Minnesota organization generally and Cheryl Reeves specifically that they got in the mix with those players because, you know, Seattle had the obvious like hometown for Vandersloot where Stewie's been playing ties. New York had the element of New York, <laughs> just just broadly being New York. And for Minnesota to be in the mix there, I think, you know, was primarily because of what that organization has built. So, you know, a, a tribute to to them. What didn't happen, obviously, was signing a starting point guard. And that's going to be the question mark about the Lynx as it has been dating back to, you know, 2020. And the, the thing I think that is interesting to me is, you know, with Sylvia Fowles' absence, we've seen, just like I said about Connecticut without John Quill Jones, we've seen a Minnesota team without Sylvia basically being a factor in the Wubble end up, you know, is one of the top four teams in the league during the regular season. So, you know, to to what extent they can recapture that style of play going kind of five out, you know, uh, it's it's a different mix, but you've still got Demiris Duntis potentially in the mix as kind of that floor spacing center that you lose a little something defensively compared to what you had with Sylvia Fowles, uh, given Sylvia Fowles is maybe the most dominant defensive player in the history of this league. But offensively, it creates a lot of space for Nafisa Collier to operate. And she's someone else, I think, that is going to have a, a big year coming off of that you know handful of games she played after giving birth last year. Uh, I'm very excited about the potential for her. But the other factor in that was, you know, Crystal Dangerfield coming in and solidifying that point guard spot as the rookie of the year that year. Who's that player going to be on this year's roster? Tough to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that back to your point about the, you know, kind of the style of play or even the style of this team in general on both sides of the, of the floor. I I agree that they they're obviously going to take a step back defensively. You don't have a Sylvia Falls in the paint. That that is a huge factor, and that will play a huge factor offensively. I'm I'm really intrigued with this team because, as you know, Cheryl Rivas talked about, um, you know, Nafisa Collier has talked about a lot. They're they're really trying to push the pace this year. They're really trying to play that aggressive up tempo style of offense. And Fee said that you know that's something that she hasn't personally played in the WNBA yet because they've had the likes of Sylvia Fowles where they've been going inside out rather than, you know, being, you're running in transition and in kind of playing that aggressive five out style of play. And I I'm really intrigued with what, what could happen with her. Not, not only the fact that she's back to what she called um, quote unquote, 20, 2021 fee, but you know, just back to being healthy and, and kind of back into, into full game shape, um, you know, like she was in 2021, but just a mix of that and the in you know the different style of play is it's it's not going to be a, a show reeve style offense that we've seen in, in in the past or really since she's gotten to minnesota but i think it'll suit this this off or this offense and this team really well um and you know diamond miller thrown into that mix too i i think is 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 helpful and, and will be a, a a nice addition um one thing that that they did talk about this week too is um, you know, during training camp is, uh, you know, the the potential of of Diamond Miller and Fisa Collier together. I mean, Fee is still, she's going to be in her fifth year. I mean, she's still really young. Diamond Miller is obviously really young coming in as a rookie. And it. I think that depending on, you know, how Diamond develops, I think that that could be a really solid duo moving forward and just kind of having those two kind of two-headed monster on the wing and, and kind of being able to run in transition. I, I think that that'll... That'll be that'll be a nice thing to have in in Minnesota, and I you can tell Cheryl Cheryl just kind of just she smiles from ear to ear just thinking about the potential of of those two players. So that 
I think it'll be a really interesting, um, you know, year in, in that regard, just to see how they run their offense and run the team in general. But yeah, I mean, I think the flip side of being as successful as you have for as Minnesota has for a long period of time is you don't end up with a lot of high draft picks. Right. And even fee wasn't a, an especially high draft pick coming off a year where they made the playoffs, but you know, they were able to strike gold in the middle of the first round there. And now you've got this lottery pick that they have not had a, in a long period of time and a high lottery pick in in Miller. And yeah, I think those are your, the, the start of your foundation going forward. And now it's just kind of finding that perimeter that, you know, ball handling counterweight to them, which, uh, you know, depending on how their season goes and how the draft goes, there's going to be a, f- a few of those coming into the league in the next couple of years. Yeah. And and that's the other thing too, is this year is a good, it's a good year to have a, a development year like Minnesota's trying to have, and they're, they're not going to, nobody's going to admit that they're, they're tanking. Cause while I, a, I don't think they're, you know, deliberately tanking. It's just kind of maybe the reality of where they're at there. They might struggle this year. Um, and, and they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna sit their stars to, to, to tank like we see in other sports or whatever, but that, that's just not the nature of Cheryl Reeve. And that's not the, not the nature of that, that organization, but I, you know, if that does happen, I don't think they're going to be upset. Let's just say that because they are going to have a potential of landing one of those stars if they do come out of, of the college game this year. And, yeah, if if that happens, that's I don't know. It'll be a, a a good problem to have at that time. But yeah, they they do need that ball handler. And ever since Lindsey Whalen retired, that's something that Cheryl has talked about needing and wanting. And she wants that Lindsey Whalen style of of player. And and there's just not that available. But <laughs> um, yeah. So I it, it'll be interesting to see how they attack that. But I I I, I think they're they're finally starting to you know, turn the page of post Sylvia follows. Okay. Let's let's, what are we going to make this? What do we want this team to look like? Not, you know, rather than what do we have and how do we build around that? They're, they're trying to shape something now, which is good. Yeah. And to your stylistic point, the one difference from 2020 uh, in the wobble is like there you went into the season expecting to play a certain way. And then Sylvia gets in, suffers an injury and you kind of have to adjust on the fly. And there was a period of time where teams were basically playing every other day, that entire regular season. Like you got one, you know, couple day break at some point in there, there wasn't a lot of practice time to really change your philosophy midstream. So it was kind of remarkable. The links were as successful doing it as they were this year. They kind of know going in that they're going to be this style of team. Mm-hmm. I kind of view like I view that year a little bit, the, the bubble year and this year, somewhat similar in the regard that it's going to be a learning process for Minnesota, basically on the fly. Like you said, they, they all of a sudden unexpectedly had, didn't have Sylvia falls. Well, this year they don't have Sylvia falls. They know that, but they don't really know what they have. And, and that being able to play free and just kind of let them go, I think might, you know, might resemble a little bit of that bubble year where they just, they, they weren't overthinking things. They weren't, you know, they weren't, you know, trying to do, uh, you know, straight X's and O's like they, you know, they typically would, but they just went out there and played. And and I think that that's something that we might see this year. And especially with the younger team and the newer team or newer pieces together, you know, we, we say this all the time, like those kinds of teams, I don't, I don't want to make this sound like it's mean, but they don't know better. You know, they, they, they just go out there and they just play. And, and that's, that's where a lot of those, a lot of times you find success that way because teams don't know how to scheme against you. Um, so I think that that'll be a, a interesting aspect as well, but what, uh, you know, when, when it comes to 
to expectations for the Lynx. What what do you what do you think would be realistic expectations for this team? Do you think it'd be around what they finished last year, maybe lower, higher? What what are your thoughts? I mean, I think a playoff berth is you know, a spot in the playoffs is a great outcome for the Lynx. Like, you know, it's it's an improvement on what they did last year, despite the loss of Sylvia Fowles, obviously. You know, you expect a little bit more with them for them with Collier's return. Uh I yeah, I think any anywhere fifth through eighth is a good outcome. And if you somehow manage to get home court advantage or win a series in the first round, then you know that's a that's a home run of a season in my book. What do you think would be considered a? And you kind of just touched on it a little bit there. But what, what would you think would be a success and maybe a failure for this team this year? Yeah, I mean, I think if they miss the playoffs, it's a bit of a disappointment. Although, as we just talked about, it's. The, the right year or years, if you look at the next two drafts, since we don't know for sure, you know, whether players are going to use their COVID years, uh, it's the right time to do it. And frankly, you know, if a team like Minnesota with their organizational pedigree ends up with the number one pick or, you know, a top two or three pick that could change in players' decisions, I think, in terms of, you know, I'm more eager to come out if I know that I'm going to a good situation like that than a kind of more unsettled situation in the league. So uh, I, but I still think that would be a disappointment. It would kind of indicate that, you know, either that need at point guard is is too too much to overcome or that the young talent isn't quite as far along as you hoped. Mm-hmm. I It's interesting that you you mentioned that about the whether or not, you know, players would come out if, let's say, if Minnesota's there. That Im- immediately, I think of Paige Beckers because let's say Minnesota is right there or whatever at the top of, uh, top of the draft and Paige is deciding whether or not she wants to to come out of college and, and join the the WNBA. I think she would if Minnesota was sitting there just because it is, it's the hometown team. It's she's familiar with people on the roster. Obviously Nafisa Collier uh, has a UConn tie, Dorky Uhas and, and, and Paige Beckers are really close. I know uh, Cheryl Reeve and Paige have, have somewhat of a relationship. So it, it would be interesting. I, I that's that's something that I I think a lot of Lynx fans and the Lynx in general would would welcome, and they'd be okay with uh, you know that situation and and you know seeing if she would come out. But I think that that's one situation where it would maybe you know it would sway it a little bit more. You know, you could even say Caitlin Clark. I mean, Caitlin Clark has a has a close tie to to Minnesota, with just being in Iowa. But um, she even came to Timberwolves game during the playoffs, so I. You, she she might be a Minnesota fan, but um, yeah, it 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 would be interesting to to see what happens. I I do agree with you though that I think a success would obviously just be reaching the playoffs. I mean, you know, finishing better than last year is a success. I think with this team, um, you know, failure would 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 be you know missing the playoffs or being lower than what they were were last year, but. At the same time, that might be a win. So it, it's it's, it's a, kind of a it's a step on the path to success, right? Exactly, exactly. It, I it's it's kind of a win win for Minnesota if they they make the playoffs. You know, it's a that means all things went well. But if they if they do bad this year, it it's not the end of the world. And they're not gonna they're not in that situation where they're they're trying to compete for a championship this year anyway. So it it's it's definitely a a weird rebuilding year, which is not not something that I've seen in in a while or a lot of people have seen in a while with, with this team, but when it comes to, uh, when it comes to, you know, the, the layout of this team and you, you kind of mentioned, you know, the point guard position 
you know, Tiffany Mitchell is somebody that that I believe, uh, you know, will be will be playing point guard. I know when she first signed, I, I, had, I had said that that's I think that that's a realistic thing. Even in training camp, you know, or after the first preseason game, uh, Tiffany Mitchell said that Cheryl came up to her and was like, we're throwing you in at point guard. See how you see how you handle it and see see how you no pun intended, handle it. Um, see how uh, see how everything goes with that. But what what do you think about about her playing? You know, specifically Tiffany Mitchell playing playing in that point guard position. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of you know the the investment in her and the free agency. And you look at that wing position. You know, with the addition of Diamond is just stacked. So you know, I think to get the kind of minutes that you'd want for uh, an experienced player like Mitchell, it almost might require her to play point guard. But it's an interesting option. Uh, you know, because of the fact that you just don't have that established premier starting point guard in this group. I think that's a way to, you know steal some minutes for your wing rotation at the expense of your point guard spot, basically. Mm -hmm. I do think that this year too, with the links they're they're going to be very, they're not going to have, they obviously don't have that traditional point guard, but they, they have like maybe five, six players that could initiate the offense. You have uh, Tiffany Mitchell, Rachel Bannum could even initiate it a little bit. She's not the, the best ball handler, but she could do it. Lindsay Allen, if she makes a roster, she could, you know, initiate this offense. Cheryl Rivas talked about her veteran leadership on the team. Um, you know, you have Kayla McBride, Ariel Powers. They could, you know, initiate the offense. Diamond Miller, even Nafisa Collier. So it's like three-fourths of this roster could initiate the offense, and they could be not maybe not the primary ball handler, but they they could be that that ball handler too for for this off, offense. But I I think Tiffany Mitchell is is not a lot of people view her as as that that kind of player, but I think that she will be this year, which is a good thing. I think. Yeah, he, he really kind of continues to hammer home the similarity between Minnesota and Seattle in a lot of respects. Another team that you know again doesn't have that clear number one point guard, but. You've got Kia Nurse can handle it a little bit, Jewel Lloyd, and one of the things that uh, Sammy Wick come coming off the bench likely. Uh, one of the things that Noel Quinn has talked about in their offense this year is a lot more two guard fronts to make it less of a, you know this is the point guard, this is the shooting guard, kind of more of a very old school philosophy of we'll make those players interchangeable. And I think that's something that makes a lot of sense for Minnesota too. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, Cheryl Rivas even talked about in in. in part of this is why Minnesota hasn't found that that point guard that she envisions is you know running this off offense is it, it's a little bit of a shift of of the traditional point guard like maybe even like the Lindsay Whalen where she was maybe more of a, a floor general and kind of you know distributed for, first before you know taking things over offensively now it seems like this style of or this kind of day of the NBA or, or kind of the present time, you need somebody that can that can step up and score and, and kind of be that balanced uh, point guard rather than the traditional point guard like we've seen in the past. So I think that that is maybe Minnesota trying to maybe, you know, find kind of a, a you know, a, a kind of a, a placeholder right now for somebody to 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 be that kind of player. But they're still searching for that kind of player, maybe even like a Caitlin Clark. But um yeah, that, that it's definitely changing too, which is I think impacted the way that Minnesota has attacked that position. Yeah, I mean when Whaling came into the league, you know, that was something I wrote about her rookie year because 
Tarasi, I think, was playing point guard that year as a rookie as well. Subert had been the first like real scoring threat of point guard in the W, whereas you were used to the much more set it up, Jen AZ, Teresa Weatherspoon style point guards had been kind of the dominant figures in the league for a long period of time. And now we've evolved to the point where, you know, even even someone as balanced as Whalen looks kind of like more pass first than a lot of the point guards we see now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see the the kind of the shift of positions and kind of the evolving or evolving of, of different positions in, in, you know, basketball in general. I mean, like you said, the point guard position, even, you know, you could go back to the center position. A lot of, we see, you know, I look at Tim Duncan is kind of that, that traditional um, center. Uh, but now you look at, you know, players like maybe, and I'm just going to say this because Minnesota fan, but like Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns, like, that, you know, you got that stretch big, um, you know, the, the positions are, are continuously changing now in, you know, in the WNBA, we're, we're seeing it, you know, in the NBA, we've seen it too, where you, you want those players that can play multiple positions where in years past, that wasn't necessarily the case. You're the point guard and you're staying the point guard. If you're, you know, if you're, you're the center, you're staying the center, you're not going to drop down in the, in the rotation or kind of be interchangeable in different positions. But now it's, I mean, you could have Nafisa Collier playing any five positions on the on the links. I mean, it's 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 crazy how the versatility of players and, and just kind of the you know multiple positions of of players and the involvement of that. At media day, the Storm's first round pick, Jordan Horston, someone mentioned to her in, in a question that Noel Quinn had said she could play anywhere one to four on the court. And, and Horston's reply, kiddingly, of course, was, "Oh, doesn't think I can play the five. <laughs> That's funny. I I like her this year. I I think that she's she's gonna get obviously plenty of opportunities, but I I do like her this year. And in, in the I thought you know I thought she was gonna go higher than what than what she did. I thought she was a steal for Seattle um, when when they ended up taking her. But I I do like her. I think she's gonna have a a solid year this year. Yeah, I think we all expected that. But uh, you know, Dallas has been known to to throw a curveball into the draft. So. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. There's always that that at least one pick in the, it. Well, it almost seems like more so in the WNBA because maybe there's less. You know, I don't know. It, in, the, the it's, intel, yeah, it's not as it's right. not as strong as. But there's always that that one player that you know is it's just like who and, and that's not a knock on them, but like they really picked them there. But hey, I hope it, I hope it works out, and I I hope it it was a solid pick. But it was it was a it was an interesting draft because it there was a lot of pieces that kind of went where not a lot of people were, were expecting, but um, over, over the last, I think, I don't know, last few weeks or whatever with, with my, my podcasts, I've had, I've had guests on and, and at the end of, I've, I've kind of asked some, some rapid fire questions or kind of, I don't know, just random, random uh, things that, that I, I throw your way. So I, I'm, I might just wrap up uh, the podcast doing, doing that, just asking you a few questions, but what, um, the first one was, what do you or who, you know, when it comes to the title favorites, who 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 is your uh, who's your favorite this year? Yeah, I I have New York a little bit ahead of Vegas. Uh, back during free agency, we were asked about this, and my answer was, you know, if if Slu goes to New York, then I would pick the Liberty. Otherwise, I would pick the Aces. And I don't think I've seen anything since then to change my mind. I mean, you know, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how they fit all this talent together in New York, but that's a real good problem for Sandy Brondello to have. Mm-hmm. 
How about um, MVP? Who do you think? Do you think Brianna uh, gets it this year, or I, she's she's my early uh, front runner, Brianna Stewart, to to win it? But what what do you think, or who do you think is going to win it this year, MVP? I feel like there's a real opportunity for someone on one of these teams from either the second or third tier to win it because of the fact that, like, you know, there is the concept of can you really be the most valuable if you're on a team that's this deep and this dominant? You know, the injuries were a factor in this, but it's the why Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, neither of them were MVP when the Warriors were far and away the league's best team. So, you know, I, 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 I don't think I've made a pick yet, but I, I got, I'm toying with Elena Deladon. Mm. I like that. Uh, that that's a good pick. I know uh, uh, Lindsay Darkangelo from the Athletic and and just uh, women's sports last week. I had had her on the pod, and she she said uh, uh, Brittany Griner. She she thinks Brittany Griner is is going to have a, a nice year this year, and she could she could be a you know an MVP candidate. But Elena Deladon, I like that. I and that and to me the the thing I like most about that is the fact that that would mean she's healthy and we all right. want a healthy Elena Deladon. And and I think that, yeah, that would be, that'd be best case scenario. That that's, that'd be awesome. I'd we, we need a, a fully healthy for a full year. Um, Elena Deladon, that'd, that'd be great. And the fact that Brittany Griner would be, is back. That's, that's going to be awesome too. Um, when it comes to rookie of the year, who do you think, do you think, uh, you know, Minnesota's rookie and diamond Miller, do you think she could, could make a run at it or, or who do you think would be the front runner for, for that award? I mean, I think Leah Boston's just in a position where she's going to play a lot, accumulate stats. I think, you know, she'll be hard to beat is the, the rookie of the year front runner, but whereas diamond Miller has a lot more competition for playing time, I think is probably the biggest factor holding her back. But, you know, if she manages to, to, claw out 30 minutes a game from that group then she's certainly got a got a real chance mm -hmm. when it comes to you know the, this one might be a little bit of a tougher question but um you know when it when it comes to the newcomers there was obviously a lot of a lot of players that have shifted teams but when it comes to a newcomer that that joined a team which one do you think might have have the biggest impact whether it was a signing or a trade should we say like outside of the New York, Las Vegas? Yeah, division? yeah, let's yeah, let's do that because there's there's a lot of lot of players to choose from when it comes to that. Well, in keeping with my you know belief in Connecticut, Tiffany Hayes, I think, is mm. somebody who is you know a, a, an upgrade on them at, at guard from what they've had in the past, and I think. You know, she's not going to be the first option for them offensively because they've still got a lot of talent in the front court. But I think she she's got a chance to really make a, a big impact this season and maybe more than people realize because she kind of changed teams quietly and later in the process. Mm -hmm. Do you think um, when it comes to we we talked about them a little earlier, Caitlin Clark and, and Paige Beckers, do you think that they they end up coming out next year or do you think they stay in college? I feel like the diff the the decision is maybe different for the two of them. I mean, Paige, the fact that she's just unfortunately been able to play so little since that amazing freshman season feels like maybe there's that makes, you know, coming back for a fifth year more appealing for her than it would be for Caitlin Clark. But look, Caitlin has said all along that, you know, she, she loves playing at Iowa. doesn't have a, doesn't know what her decision would be. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting to find out, but, you know, we have seen players, forego their COVID years to come into the draft the last few years, especially to be high draft picks. But it is interesting that, you know, players who have had the opportunity to come in early have often not done it. You look back at Sabrina going back to, I think that was 2019 when she had the chance to graduate early and be in that year's draft, which is a very interesting what if, because 
the Las Vegas Aces had the number one mm-hmm. pick in that draft. And boy, how differently things might look now in that case. Uh, you know, she decided to go back for another year because she had unfinished business. So I think part of it, it comes down to what is Iowa able to do this season? Does she feel that same, like, you know, urgency to come back and win a title? So I guess I didn't answer your question at all. That's okay. That's you did no. That's that's good. That's all right. Um, well, that that's really uh, that's really all I have for you. Um, I, I appreciate you you joining the podcast this week. I had a great conversation with you and, and talking a little little dumb NBA. Um, and and like I said, thank you for for all of your coverage of, of both the NBA and the WNBA. As as a basketball junkie myself, I've I've really enjoyed it and. And it's great coverage as, as always on not only written content, but on social media and, and kind of everywhere else. So, so I appreciate it. And, and thank you for all, all your coverage. Yeah. Looking forward to getting it started this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. We, we finally made it. So it's, <laughs> it seems like it, it, it always oh, leading up to like the draft is always, or maybe even March madness. It seems like it just goes so slow. And then soon as March Madness wraps up, the draft takes place, and then we're right into the season and it's it's nonstop. So it but it's good. It's it's I'm glad it's glad it's back and and it, it should be a fun summer for sure. Um when it comes to uh where people can find you again, would you would you wanna kind of just kind of plug that and and where they can follow you and where they can can find all your stuff? Yeah, K Pelton WBB on Twitter again, and then the uh, ESPN WNBA homepage or ESPNW.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Go follow Kevin. And uh, thank you for, for, like I said, for all your work and, and for joining the podcast this week. Had a great conversation. Yeah, anytime. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you to Kevin Pelton for joining the podcast again this week. Had a great conversation with him previewing the WNBA season and what we can expect this summer. I um, also want to give a shout out to Jeremy Rushing for producing this podcast. Another shout out goes out to our newest patrons of our Hitting the Hardwood Patreon community over the past week. We've we've had a few uh, few more additions, which I'm very appreciative of. Um, those include Shino, Kenneth, and Coco. Thank you guys for for your support. And if you would like to show your support of the podcast and the Hitting the Hardwood brand, please visit patreon.com forward slash Hitting the Hardwood. Um, and that's where you can receive exclusive perks and much more as part of our Patreon community. Uh, latest Patreon exclusive, exclusive offering is my preseason thoughts and updated um, roster projection leading up to the start of the WNBA season. I also want to give a shout out to our two partners at Hitting the Hardwood, Homage and Better Edge. Homage is a clothing site that offers a variety of vintage merchandise, including a collection of WNBA and Lynx gear. Um, a portion of each uh, Lynx item or each item purchased, um, either whether that be a Lynx item or a WNBA item, will come back and support Hitting the Hardwood podcast. So I appreciate Homage for, for their partnership. Uh, Better Edge is a Minneapolis sports betting company uh, and platform that lets, allows users to bet against each other um, and, and to do that with no fees. They, they do a great job um, offering you know different offerings, including the WNBA. Um, so make sure to check out Better Edge, and they, you can find them at betteredge.com. Um, when you do, if you do visit betteredge.com forward slash links, um, you will receive a free twenty dollars on us when you use the promo code links. So please go check them out, um, and you can you can join uh, Better Edge, and you can you can compete against myself. You can compete against others. Um, we'll have competitions throughout the year. So please go check out Better Edge at betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Thank you once again for joining this week, and I will see you all next week as we start the 2023 WNBA season. We made it, fans.